0: It's time to try out selling to your customers face-to-face.
1: You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast. To increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits.
0: Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast. And if you're not familiar with our format, every month we focus on a different marketing method like email or SEO or Facebook ads. And each week I interview a different marketing method expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. This month, we're all about Offline marketing. Yes, we're going non-digital. So far, we've explored sending marketing through the post. So we're talking direct mail from highly personalized small pieces through to highly scientific, highly profitable catalog mailings. And in today's episode, we're exploring something totally different. We're looking at how you can use short-term face-to-face selling events to grow your business. So yes, we're talking about selling at markets, gift fairs, events, and even running your own pop-up. How do you make these events a success and maximize their positive impact on your wider business? My guest is going to be explaining exactly how to do that with four key things to do to make sure your events are success. But before we get into all of that, please do check out our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the email and SMS marketing platform that helps you send messages like an e-commerce expert, even if you're just getting started. Create your free account at Clavio.com/masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com/masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with offline marketing expert, Sue Monate. She is the host of the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast, where she helps handmade product businesses to grow. And she's also the owner and CEO of The Ribbon Print Company, a B2B e-commerce business selling customized on-site ribbon printing hardware, software, and supplies. So for both her own business and in helping her audience, Sue really knows how offline selling events can benefit your whole business. Hello, Sue.
1: Chloe, thank you so much for having me
0: on the show. Well, it's great to be chatting with you again. We do swap backwards and forwards. And, um, you know, when I was putting together this offline marketing month, I was like, we have to do face-to-face selling, and there's only one person I can ask to talk about it. So, um, so thank Yay. you for saying
1: yes. Oh, absolutely! I got the email, and I was like, "Yes!" Your first sentence was, "I have a brainwave," and I'm like, "Ooh, what is that? Let's look and see." It sounds
0: like fun.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, cool. So, look how did you how did you get into offline marketing?
1: I actually started with that offline marketing. You know, I've been in the business for years and years, and my corporate days was all retail selling, you know, working with small boutiques, large corporate brands, and there was no internet back at the time. So it was direct mail. It was new- newspaper ads. It was radio, television. These were how we got the message out. You know, newspaper, obviously. <laughs> so I started there. And then as things progressed, the first business I had, which we didn't even talk about, it was a gift basket business. And how did I make my first sales? Networking, going to chamber meetings, meeting with local people, you know, showing what I had available, all face-to-face. And I'm actually really excited that we're talking about this topic because I really project that we're going to start balancing out like internet sales was the whole thing it's the hottest it's Facebook and all of that and I think and it's been that way for what do you say 15 years
0: yeah something like that yeah certainly on the noise front potentially not on the what's actually happening but certainly on the noise front it's pretty much all we've heard about
1: yeah 15 years or so so I think a lot of people abandoned some of these other methods and now given what's happening with, you know, all the issues with Facebook and policies and all of that, our privacy, I mean, I think we're going to start seeing a rebalancing and some reemergence of some of these older, quote unquote, traditional type methods of marketing. Not everything. Like, I don't really think the yellow pages is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) But face-to-face, for sure. So, Yeah, it's,
0: it's such a powerful piece. And it's, you know, what we're trying to do this month is just to open people's eyes to what the potential is offline, you know, this broad thing of not doing something on the internet. So, so tell us, what are these these kind of short, we're kind of framing this up as short-term face-to-face selling options? What sort of things could people do?
1: Well, I'm going to gear this specifically to product-based businesses and then also B2C, so to the consumer, not talking about wholesale right now, because that would be a whole different Show, right? Whole different show. (laughs) But there are so many different options. You know, when you're looking, and of course, it depends on your product. But this can be craft shows, farmers markets, and even what we call here in the state trunk shows. I'm not sure what you call them there. They would
0: be car boot sales.
1: Boot sales. Okay, so. And more. And more. You know, there are so many different types of options. There's in-home parties, you know, so many. But the point is getting directly in front of the people who are going to buy and probably buy, in many cases, right away. And the value of this is being able to show your personality, who you are, and also feeding off the reactions that they give you. You know, there's a lot of interpersonal communication that you can read and play off of that helps direct the sale, helps people get comfortable with you that only can happen in face-to-face interactions.
0: I love the fact you've already brought up The reactions of people because I think sometimes people think selling face to face is just about money, but there's a lot more to be gained from it than that. And one of those is those reactions. And I'm sure we've talked about this before with startups that a great way of testing your product is to go to one of these events and see what people think about it before you even build the website. But at any point in your business's life cycle, there's an awful lot to be learned about seeing your the whites of your customers' eyes and learning what they're you know, standing quietly at the back of the stand and listening them to them discuss your products and which ones they pick when they can physically see them. There's a lot of research we can gain when we're doing this, isn't there?
1: A huge amount. In fact, kind of peeking under the curtain a little bit, this is one of the things that I suggest brand new starter companies do. But you know, before you even name your business almost, you know, what products of everything that you make are people gravitating to? How do they think they're going to use them? Is it for themselves? Are they giving it to somebody else? Like, you're exactly right. You know, it's the research. And we can sit back and speculate behind a screen all day long, but that's not going to help have people buying your product or what you should say to them even, right? Like the words that they use in describing your product, face-to-face is golden for all those reasons.
0: Oh well, yeah, and you can, obviously you can, get, you can get some of that online by running a customer focus group, doing customer Zoom calls, or doing, you know, monitoring what they're saying on social. But I find what what people say in those formats can often be different to what they say when they're chatting to their friend on a shopping expedition, not feeling like they're being observed. You kind of get the, how they want to be seen and how they really are. And it, it, it can be utterly invaluable just listening in.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I agree with you for sure.
0: So we've kind of drifted into the other benefits. So let's talk about the other things we can do when we're at an event. So we're, we're obviously aiming to sell some product. Mm-hmm. We're going to get these research elements. Are there any other thi- kind of outcomes we should be looking for from, from the event? Other things we can do to make it successful?
1: Yeah, I actually... Put in preparation for our conversation, I broke it down into five different things we should really be doing cool. when you're starting to look at going out and selling face to face, assuming that we're talking with someone who has never done so. But I think some of these tips would also be for people who have already started.
0: Cool. Let's let's work our way through your five in that case. Okay, um- it's
1: actually four. I lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> But that was wholesale. And I'm like, wait, this is getting way too long. So, yeah.
0: it, Wholesale it's, is at least a whole other show, if not is. a whole other month.
1: And it is a different audience and a different strategy entirely, really. Yeah. So the four points that I wanted to just bring up about in terms of being successful face-to-face is first off, picking the right places to be. Second, the preparation for the show. Third, the customer experience. This is the first time potentially you're getting an eye on the branding. A customer's getting an eye on you. And then follow up. So starting off with what's the right show to go to?
0: So important. I know I've, back when I was doing B2B selling, the number of stupid places I went to try and sell my wares and wasted so much time and effort an energy mm-hmm. in the wrong place and just better decision-making would have saved so much time. <laughs> so, so how how can the listeners, you know, because you do have to suck it and see a bit, you do have to try a few before you find the perfect ones, but how do we make sure we're getting rid of the, the awful
1: options? Well, the first thing is making sure that the show is attracting your customer. You know, that might seem obvious, um, but it isn't always. So if you're doing a local show, The people who are coming, and it's a consumer show, the people who are coming are most likely people who are in your community, right? They're local people. They might be driving 10 miles, 15 miles, but they're in your community. But also, what's the theme of the show? You know, is it just a free-for-all anything and everything, like a sidewalk sale might be, or is it a fine arts show, or is it more a gourmet-themed show, So what is the theme that will help in terms of who is that show attracting as a customer? So that would be one thing. The second thing is the experience of the person who's putting on a show. There are a lot of subtle things that make a show successful that people don't always think of, such as how is the access to the show? Is there enough parking? You know, some people might decide, oh, for a Saturday afternoon, this looks like a fun thing to do. I'm going to go. And then they drive by and it's like, this is crazy. No, I'm not going to park 10 miles away (laughs) to go and walk forever. I've got a baby in a stroller. You know, so how is the accessibility of a show is important. The traffic flow through the show. You know, are booths numbered? Does it make sense? Is it comfortable? Are there little spots for beverages? Is it an enjoyable experience overall? And then also show promotion. You know, how are people promoting? How do people even know that this show is happening? So these are really three things I would look at. Is it attracting your customer? What's the experience or what do you know about this show from the past? And then how is it being promoted? Of course, as an exhibitor, you would also be promoting and you would hope that your other booth exhibitors would be promoting. But what specifically is the event planner doing? And then you're right, Chloe. I mean, you've got to test the shows. I was talking to someone. I'm not sure I'm going to remember the facts exactly right. But there was a person who was a can- made candles and she ended up going to a wine show. So it seems like, okay, is that the right audience? She didn't know, but a friend persuaded her to go because it would be fun. And she's like, what the heck? I'm not doing anything this weekend. I'll go. Well, guess what? Lots of people like a nice ambiance when they're drinking their wine. And she nailed it at that show. Wow. So you can take some extensions as well, you know, based on is it your audience, show topic, but if they let your product in, that can still work. And of course, she was the only candle person at that show.
0: Exactly. It's it's kind of that whole blue ocean strategy, isn't it? You Mm -hmm. could be at the gift fair with 20 other candle people dotted around, or you can be at the wine show where, quite frankly, your candle is going to be cheaper than any bottle anyone's buying. And even if you're, you know, super premium candles and there's not going to be anyone else selling your product.
1: Right. And you want that ambience, right? So...
0: Yeah, it's a crazy world, the world of picking out shows. And I I liked I like the fact you mentioned the fact that as someone who's exhibiting, you're going to be promoting the show as well. And I find people often like, well, I've already paid you all this money. Why should I why should I promote it? But of course, it's an opportunity for you to get your customers to come and meet you face to face for the first time. Which, if you've been in business for a few years and you've never done one of these, you do sometimes find actually you get a lot of your own customers turning up and that can be a big, big opportunity too.
1: Such a good point. We do this and find the value of shows with the ribbon print company to be just that. Now these are wholesale shows and we're not talking about that here, but to your point, I don't do any Facebook ads for the ribbon print company, except when we go out to shows. And customers come to our booth. We tell them, this is your home base. Leave your stuff here behind the curtain if you want to. We talk about our product, but you know what? They place orders and it reinforces the relationship with customers. So right on.
0: Huge opportunity. Okay. So we've talked about finding the right place to sell. So your second point was preparation because preparation is all for these events. What are the key things we should be taking into account when we're preparing?
1: Well, first thing obviously is your booth display how your booth looks. Is it welcoming and presentable, something that would attract people in? This is a fine balance in some cases. Some people want to just show every single size, every single color, every single thing they have. And think about it, when people start coming in, looking around and touching things, your booth can get messy fast. So you need a little bit of a balance in terms of what you're going to bring. You don't have to bring every single size or flavor. You might have it under the table, but make sure it looks clean and easy to understand also what you do. There are some people in my area that, If you see their product, you have absolutely no clue what it even is. And so make sure if it's something that isn't easily explainable, you have something that's demonstrating it or something, a sign that explains, you know, the value of the product, things like that. I'll give you an example. So a woman who makes pins and it's just like a stick with two embellishments on each side. You know what it's for? Holding together cardigans
0: that don't have buttons.
1: Like, how useful is that? Mm -hmm. But if all she displayed were those pieces, people would be like, what? This is too big to put in my ears. Like, what? Like, (laughs) I don't even know what this is, (laughs) right? So those things are important. It kind of depends on the show, but brochures or cards or now QR codes are regaining popularity. You know, people don't want to pick up everything Mm -hmm. anymore. They want the QR codes. But sometimes if your booth is too busy and people are interested in your product, they may just want to grab a card and be on their way. And if you don't have them available for them, you've missed an opportunity.
0: Yeah. You can't rely on them remembering Mm -hmm. your brand name. You want to make sure they've got that QR code or they've got that, even if it's just a business card to take away with them so as they can come back later. Because you do have those marvelous moments when you've got like five people all wanting to buy and there's only two of you behind the stand. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose some people at that point.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this works with your online business as well. Maybe they don't make it back, but they really liked what you had. They pull out their card and guess what? There's your website online. So, you know, it isn't one or the other. These things all work together. One other huge point I would make about getting prepared and your booth is how are you checking people out? Because when people are ready to buy, they are ready to give you your money and move on, right? Yeah, got to be quick gotta be quick. How are you packaging it? What are you putting in? What's your system? If you are exchanging cash, do you have change? If you have someone working with you, make sure they know the system, not you being the only one who can check out. Because I know we've all seen this before. People are waiting in line and the kids are starting to run off. A friend is calling them. They have things in their hands they want to buy and they're going back and forth with their head. And then they end up saying, oh, I'll come back later and they put them down and they leave. You've just lost a sale, Mm -hmm. right? So really important, quick, smooth, easy checkout.
0: And replenishment as well, of course, at that moment. Mm -hmm. If you're keeping it nice clean and all the rest of it and you've got the stock being sold, you've got to get that stock back out because otherwise no one else is going to be able to buy it.
1: Right. I like that. I'm adding that into my list. (laughs) (laughs) Cool.
0: Um, Okay, so we've done Preparation. What about customer experience, your third point?
1: So have you ever been to a show where the artist or the creator behind the booth is sitting on their phone on like one of those director chairs and doesn't even look at you when you come in the booth? Mm-hmm. No. Two hands up, no. Like that emoji girl with the no <laughs> crossing her hands in front of her. Um, the best thing to do is when someone comes into the booth, just acknowledge them say hello, show that you recognize that they're there. If you feel like your product needs an explanation, say real quickly what your product is or what the benefit of the product is, why you're here at the show. And then I suggest you back off, you know, be there for them. Say, if you have any questions, I'm right here, but I'm going to let you look around be there for them, but intuitively decide how much interaction you should have. Some people want to chat with you all day long. Some people don't. I, for one, have been in some booths where I'll be looking at something like, I really like this, but would I use this? Or do I have someone whose birthday's coming up in a few months that maybe I could buy this for? And I just don't know yet. But if people keep talking with me, I can't even think, Mm -hmm. right? And There's so much chatter. I'm like, okay, this is way too much. I'm leaving, you know? So part of it is intuitive, but be there, you know, this is the part where you get to show not the physical side of your brand and your products, but the personal side of your brand, how you talk with people, how you interact with people, how intuitive you are about their feelings and concerns. You know, if someone is pounding it on you all the time, I kind of think, well, I'm also going to get like 7,000 emails a month from them. You know, not that it's necessarily true, but it kind of relates. If it's comfortable, if it's friendly, if that's the vibe you give out and that's what your customer is receptive to, that's part of your brand. And this is where you can show it.
0: Yeah, And and it's equally as much as talking to the customer too much, it's also not talking to the customer enough. You know, the number of times I've been on someone's stand and I've clearly, you know, I'm just giving out all the, I want to know more. I want, I'm interested in buying this product and they just continue having a chat with their colleague at the back, you know, or they you stay on the phone and you're like, if you don't want to sell to me, I'm going, Right, you know, I've given you all the indications. I picked this item up three times. I'm clearly not going anywhere, but nothing. So you've got to be attentive, but not too attentive. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Yeah. And even, you know, if you're talking with someone and they have a lot of detailed questions and they're advancing to a sale and there's another customer, there's nothing wrong with you turning and saying, I'll be with you in a second. You know, just give me, give me a second because once you acknowledge them, it's harder for them to leave. Hmm. They feel at least like they're also important to you and and people understand if you're working with one customer and then you can say to that other customer, let me let you look around for a second. Let me just answer her questions real quick. And you kind of can juggle them back and forth, giving them all attention. People understand that. People just don't like to be ignored.
0: Yes. So, so true. Okay. So we've done the right, finding the right place, getting your preparation in place getting the customer experience right, and then number four, follow-up, which is the thing I think a lot of people skip because, you know, getting out of the office to go into an event is a big old pile of crazy chaos. And then we come back and we, we're we so busy trying to sort out normality, we completely forget
1: mm-hmm. to
0: do anything about what we learned at the show. So, So what do you include in follow-up?
1: Well, the first thing I say about follow-up is you want to be in control of your follow-up. And by that, I mean the obvious points, like let's say you've gotten orders for product that you didn't have at the show, but they bought it or want to buy it. Like all of that you follow up with immediately because you've already put a time lapse between them being there and that sale, and you wanna complete those as fast as possible so they actually still follow through with that purchase or they get their product because that's part of the customer experience, right? But then when I say you wanna be in control, If you don't capture a way to communicate with that customer after they leave your booth, you've lost all control. You know, if someone takes a business card, that's great. And if that's the way that works, that's fine. But you have no control whether they throw it in the trash, they look at your website, they remember you or not. That leads to the most important and valuable thing when it comes to follow-up, which is email, you know, getting an email. So I'm a huge advocate of enticing people to give an email, whether it's a show giveaway a discount on an order, anything like that. Yes, that cuts into some margin, but you've got that valuable email that you can use for future sales. Because the thing to remember also with these shows that we haven't talked about yet is not everybody is in need of your product at the time that they're at your booth, but two months later, they might be. And are they gonna remember your company name? when their girlfriend's birthday is coming up and they're like, oh my gosh, I love that (laughs) scarf. But who was it? Literally, you know, all of that. Well, if you've gotten their email and you're sending them at minimum monthly newsletters, you're going to pop up again. They're going to remember and you'll get that sale.
0: Yeah. There is so many angles to how you can make the event work for you. And and like we said at the beginning, it's not just about the product you sell on the day—it's about the sales you get immediately after. It's about the the marketing and the advertising, brand awareness, follow-up side of things too.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's also about repetitive shows. So, how often do you go back to a show? You you specifically want to go to a show because there's one vendor you know is going to be there, and you want to pick up the product that day. So, you're going with a plan already. So, when you see that there's a show that's successful, you want to keep doing that show. Um. And-
0: what size should a business be to make these events work for you? Is there a sweet point? You know, you've been in business six months, and you've got a turnover of X or is it literally if you if you follow those steps, you can make it work for a business, whatever size you are, whatever you sell?
1: Well, I feel like if you are starting up, the best thing you can do is invest in a show, but not invest in a $500 table or booth show necessarily. Do something smaller that's $100 something like that and get that interaction and the feedback on your product right from the beginning. It also gives you a chance to test the waters of how should your booth look, processes, you know, getting a feel for it, jumping in and just doing it. So to my way of thinking, there's never a revenue number that's too low, even if it's zero. If you've sold nothing and you want to try out you know, see what happens at a show. I say, do it. Now you want to match the show to where you're at, as we were just talking Mm -hmm. about before, but I think that is so valuable. And I would not make your time in business be a deterrent for starting either. You know, you say, oh, you know, I'm just starting my business. It's only been a month. I don't have a booth set up. I don't know what it's going to look like. I haven't figured that out. Well, maybe participating in a show is going to push you in the direction to get all that figured out. It's a real deadline, isn't it? (laughs) It's a real deadline. And if you're a little choppy, so what? The next time you aren't going to be, you know, you have to put your time in and do it to start seeing results and be feeling more comfortable with what you're doing and then enhancing, perfecting, tweaking, adjusting as you go.
0: Dare one say, keep optimizing. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> there
1: you go. Keep optimizing. That, that's the
0: thing. With all these offline marketing methods we're talking about, they all have the same optimization we need to be doing with all of our marketing. And it, you know, if at your show, it's that oh, we should have brought a stapler with us and some pen and paper for people to write down their email addresses. If that's your optimization, that's your optimization. If it's we needed more of product A, not product B. hmm And on we go. Um, All right, Sue, thank you so much for going through all of that. You've given, um, I'm sure the listeners, a lot to think about. We're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors. Then we're going to talk about the wider world of offline marketing. Ready to turn your small e-commerce business into the next big thing? Clavio can help. It's the easy to use email and SMS platform that gives you everything you need to build genuine relationships with your customers. And even if you're new to marketing, Klaviyo can help you become an email expert with drag and drop design templates, simple insights and made for e-commerce reports and recommendations. Give it a try today with a free account at klaviyo.com/masterplan. That's k l a v i y o.com/masterplan. OK, so so far we've gone deep into selling face-to-face at events. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge of the whole of offline marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with offline marketing, which of course does include face-to-face selling events. Are you ready?:
1: I think so. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, let's
0: start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what then do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success?
1: This is really simple, but really hard. Are you ready? Just get out there and do it. Don't overanalyze. Don't put barriers in your way. We can think ourselves out of everything, right? Mm -hmm. If you agree with everything we've just talked about, and honestly, face to face selling is the fastest and easiest way to get your first sales, no matter what. So just do it, even if it's you selling at a party that you host at your house. When it's safe to do so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, but whatever it is, jump in. Don't let yourself put barriers that you're creating, false barriers in front of you. Just do it.
0: Yes. Thank you,
1: Nike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Sue's first point about finding the right place. That is not an excuse to spend a month researching every possible event in your country and then trying to drill it down to the absolute perfect one. That is not what we're saying. We're saying sense check the ones that are easy for you to get started with. Um, Okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance?
1: Absolutely. The emails. You know, that's like pouring fire on a flame that's just started. You know, you think of someone coming to your booth, is interested, likes your product, just didn't jump over the line to make the sale yet. All of your work has been lost. All that relationship building is either lost or in their control now when that person walks away and you haven't captured any way to communicate with them. So email is everything. And then using it. Once you get it, yeah. <laughs> you use it. Send out emails.
0: Capture it and follow up, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, if someone listening wants to learn more about offline marketing, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend?
1: I'm going to give you one that is something that gets people stuck each and every time. Um, and that is, this answers the question for you. You know, when you're at a party or you're even at a booth and someone says, oh, well, what do you do? What's your business? What do you do? How many of us are like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, you're with your business all the time, but you don't have that one or two liner. Many people call it an elevator speech. I call it an introduction message. And I have a course called Network Ninja that helps you set up For that type of a situation. Now it's around networking. It's around being face to face, whether you're at a conference, a chamber of commerce meeting or at a booth. But it also helps with some of the social uncomfortable things like what happens when you walk in a room and you don't know anybody who's there. Like, what's your move? How do you manage that situation? Um, So I've got all of that in there. And so the course that I would recommend is Network Ninja. It's a relatively small course, but it'll give you so many skills that will move you forward for face-to-face interactions.
0: Excellent. And we'll add a link to that in the show notes for you all, everybody. Okay, uh, Sue, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for?
1: I project with all the seclusion that we have all had. Online is great. Zoom is great. We got a flavor of going back out a little bit. And then depending on where you live in the world, we've had to retract again. And now, again, depending on where you are, we're starting to reach out once again, right? And I think this is all reinforcing to all of us the value of rubbing shoulders with other people, physically or Not. (laughs) You know, but just being in the presence of others and how it is a different dynamic. And I think people are appreciating more and more being out and being in front and being in real life with people. And I see that continuing. And I think we're more grateful for it now because it's been taken away. So I see more and more of that growing. And I also see, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, in that online marketing and face-to-face marketing and direct marketing and like everything's going to start balancing itself out again. And face-to-face is definitely in that game.
0: Yeah. I think with all the, the kind of the, not the degrading, but the more complicated nature of online marketing with the cookie changes and all the rest of it, and the increased competition online is going to put that searchlight back on the offline marketing methods and with people wanting to get out and doing things, there must be a huge opportunity this year for, for giving the face-to-face selling an opportunity. So, um,
1: well, you know what else? One, one other point that I hadn't said yet, but is important. What I've seen this last year, when we were able to start getting out, the shows were opening up again, there was less traffic, but more buyers. I think this will change over time, but I think this year that will continue, people are going with a purpose, not just always Saturday afternoon entertainment.
0: Which is great news, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. um, what you care about as a stall holder is the number of buyers. You're not too worried about whether 100 people walk past or not, it's how many stop and actually buy. So, yes.
1: And I've been hearing consistently that sales are greater, even though traffic is less. Really interesting. And I think that's going to continue.
0: Excellent. Uh, So now's the time to test it, everyone. Um, Sue, we're very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business if they want to follow up?
1: Absolutely. Just jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com. And I would also love for you to listen to the podcast of the same name, Gift Biz Unwrapped.
0: Very easy to find. Thank you, Sue. And thanks so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge about face-to-face events. I really, really hope we've inspired many of the audience to give it a go at some point in the coming year. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Chloe. It's been a lot of fun being on and chatting with you.
0: there you go. A lot of insight there to help you avoid the common issues people have when they try out these face-to-face selling events, whether it's like the local school's car boot sale or trunk sale, whether it's, uh, you know, getting a stall at a local market, a full-on gift fair or wine fair, as Sue was saying about, or whether, you know, it's going to a country show or even doing a pop-up in your local shopping mall, whatever it might be. Sue's really clear four ways to make sure you're going to be successful. So make sure it's the right place, make sure you do your prep, make that customer experience great, and do not forget to follow up because there is the money you make on the day, but there's also a lot of opportunity in the money you make. Afterwards, um, right? You can get the links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of this episode, important notes, and more at keepoptimizing.com. There, you can also sign up to our monthly Q and A webinar. Because yes, as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our offline marketing specialists to join us for a live Q and A session. It's going to be your chance to get your questions answered. Just head to keepoptimizing.com, and you will find out all the details. Are getting signed up for that? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then do check out the rest of our offline marketing episodes. And if you want more tips from Sue, then you can find our chat about the Ribbon Print Company on the eCommerce Plan podcast, episode 327. Please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because I do it to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their e-commerce marketing. So I'd love to help your friends too. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything, keep optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an s, not a z.